0: And we do this practice, we engage in this practice of the Dharma uh, because we want to change. The Buddha wanted to change. He had a pretty good life. He wanted a better life. He wanted a greater happiness in life. Uh, He wanted to change. Uh, So it's a path of change. It's a path of change. The more we understand the path, we understand the path as a path of change. Uh, the more we understand the law of karma, which really the path is uh, based in, uh, the more we understand uh, our potential for change, uh, and the more we understand how we bring about that potential. Now, into every moment, of course, we bring our past karma. We bring our conditioning, we bring our habitual way of doing things, we bring our habitual ways of thinking, uh, we bring our habitual ways of holding on to the things that we hold on to. Uh, But what the law of karma tells us is that uh, we don't have to continue to do that. We're not beholden to our past karma. We're not beholden. Now it's going to affect us, you know, and it's a challenge to change our past karma and to live in a different way but it's something that we can do and this is why we practice meditation so that we can understand the law of karma and so that we can change but we're not beholden to our past karma we don't have to act out on our past karma we can change our karma. Karma is really, you know, I mean the the pure translation of the word, word karma is action so we can change our action, we can change our habits of mind Uh, we can change uh, our actions in terms of the ways that we hold on to what we hold on to. What enables us to to bring about this change uh, is uh, the fact uh, which is a uh, you know speaks to one of our great blessings as human beings is we have a human mind. We have a human mind so the human mind, uh, if used skillfully, if used wisely, uh, can be used to bring about change and to bring about great happiness. Of course, the human mind, if not used wisely, can, uh, can be used in the service of bringing about great suffering. We just have to look at the world, and we can see that. Uh, the mind is... Uh, a very uh, powerful tool it's really a tool you know the mind is a tool that we use to to bring us to the human heart which is our greatest gift so we have these great gifts as human beings you know in this realm we have the human mind and we have the human heart. we use the mind to support the heart to, 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 to guide us to the heart uh, So this is the practice of the Dharma. You know, uh, the world, you know, uh, in the world, people use their minds uh, uh, in some ways that are very destructive, uh, in some ways that are, uh, you know, examples of the power of the mind. If you look at technology and things like that, uh, the Buddha was really concerned with the application of the human mind and, and tapping into the potential for the human mind in the service of happiness. Happiness. Knowing the greatest happiness that uh, there is. We don't need a very uh, specific kind of intelligence in order to know, to use the mind in this way in terms of knowing happiness. Uh, so we don't need like, a you know, a, uh, a mathematical mind, you know, and if you failed calculus, you know, or got a, got a C in it, which was horrifying to me as an A student when I was in 12th grade. It's like, the world is over. I can't do calculus. Uh, you know, all is not lost. You know, all is not lost. Uh, you know, the kind of uh, wisdom or uh, understanding that we apply in using the mind uh, doesn't require even a high school degree. Most of the great Ajans and uh, in Thailand were uneducated, illiterate, from peasant families. Uh, so, uh, uh, but they had the human mind. You know, we all have this human mind. Uh, so, our practice uh, is a practice of changing the mind, uh, changing the way that we think, right? Uh, the change that we seek to bring about by using the mind begins right there in changing our way of thinking. All that we are, the Buddha teaches us, arises with our thoughts. All that we are arises with our, our thoughts. This is very, very, very important to understand. Uh, and you know, it's like many of these things that are very simple, in many ways it's complex, but all that we are arises with our thinking. So our practice is a practice of mental training. Our practice is a practice of mental training. The Pali word is bawana. bhavana. B H A V A N A bhavana. It's a practice of mental training and it begins with changing our thinking. Now we can do this because thinking is not fixed, right? Thinking is is fabricated. So we use the fabricated what's fabricated to lead us to the unfabricated. The unfabricated is, is the happiness of the heart, the dhamma inside, uh, the, the true happiness that's available to us as human beings, the way to the unfabricated, to the transcendent, to the greatest happiness that's available to us is by using uh, the mind and uh, the ability that we have To fabricate in terms of thinking. So, you know, you can think really sort of whatever you want to think. Uh, What we're learning to do is think in ways that lead us to the greatest happiness. So, the path begins with this changing, you know, and is founded in changing our thinking. Changing our thinking. You change your karma by changing your thinking and this is something that we can do. This is something that we can do, so it's very powerful. One of the ways that I like to think about this is we learn to change our thinking in terms of the way that we think about ourselves, in terms of the way that we think about others, and the ways that we think about life. And this is just one way, you know, and of course it's a very deep uh, topic and a very complex topic. But today I thought I would offer uh, some guidelines for some skillful ways of thinking, and my suggestion would be that we practice these skillful ways of thinking on an everyday basis. On an everyday basis. So, thinking about ourselves, the ways that changing the ways that we think about ourselves, changing the ways you know this is we talk about this all the time, right? Uh, So, changing the way that we think about ourselves, changing the way that we think about others, changing the way that we think about the world, the way that we think about life. So I'm going to, and of course a lot of our practice is abandoning the ways that we're thinking that are unskillful, abandoning uh, the ways that we're holding on to certain things, emotions that lead us to unskillful thinking. Today I wanna talk about the cultivating aspect of the practice practice isn't just about abandoning what's unskillful it's about cultivating what's skillful you know we really tap into our potential you know it's like so important to do so important to do to you know this this was a big shift in my own practice because uh you know you know it really started many many years ago with just trying to abandon you know sit down to meditation and abandon you know this thinking that was just plaguing me you know it's like Stay with the breath. Stay with the breath. All right. There's a thought. Go to the breath. Stay with the breath. Put the thoughts aside. Begin again, as our teachers used to say. Uh, you know. And then it was like you know, really looking at my suffering and pain, and and learning to have a skillful relationship to that, and to be able to abandon that. Uh, and for years, I really didn't learn much about. I, I did a little bit in terms of loving kindness practice about cultivating the skillful, cultivating the skillful, cultivating the heart. Uh, And this is so, you know, and then when we start to do that more and understand how to do that more and really our understanding in terms of how to do that really rests in understanding the law of karma. The more I started to understand the law of karma and the potential for change and how to use the mind in a skillful way and how to tap in to the potential of the heart by using the mind in a skillful way. The practice just started to open up for me because I started to understand the potential Uh, that we have as human beings, you know, this is about using our potential and making the most of our potential in our lives. So we learn to change the way that we think about ourselves. We learn to think about, we learn to cultivate thinking that's in accord with our goodness. So we spent the better part of yesterday uh, recollecting our goodness. What a blessing, just that in and of itself that was, to be able to spend a day you know, the power of that. I think the folks who were there yesterday really had a chance to experience the power of a day of recollecting our goodness. Uh, so we learn to recollect our goodness and the Buddha gives very specific, you know, one of the things we talked about yesterday was the specificity of the Buddha's instructions, how to do this. And he gives us the skill. He gives us the skill You know, and once I learned what the skill was and sort of became dedicated to following it, things really began to shift for me. Uh, So, you know, there is an element of, uh, yeah, this is what the Buddha taught, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to do it. I worked for him, it's been working for people for 2600 years, let me try it. What have I got to lose? You know, once I started to try it, things really started to shift. So the Buddha says, recollect your goodness. And he, he, he speaks about three elements of our goodness, our generosity. So we remember our generosity, how we've been able to give skillfully in terms of giving the gift of our resources, our time, our attention, the gift of our heart, our care. Recollect your goodness in terms of your generosity, your virtue, you know, the way that you're able to practice non-harming and show kindness to others the way that you're able to follow the precepts, to live ethically in terms of your actions, your speech, and your thinking. And then the third element of merit, the effort that you make in terms of uh, the training of the mind, the opening of the heart, whatever we do in the service of uh, living a life of greater heartfulness, mindfulness, uh, compassion, joy, so, uh, you know, and, I, and, I, and, and, and I've always found, of course, that uh, for this is true for myself uh, and I, I, it's always been very evident in teaching that, uh, you know, many of us, all of us, uh, express our goodness in the world. We practice generosity, we, we make an effort, nobody's perfect to, to be skillful in our actions, we make an effort in Dharma practice. Uh, where we tend to struggle a lot is the way that we think about ourselves or the way that we think about our generosity or the way that we don't think about our generosity or the way that we think about the effort that we make in meditation or don't think about it or think about it negatively right Uh, it's very hard for us I remember when I first started teaching this some of you were around you know, twenty some odd years ago, when I first started teaching this, a lot when I first really started to understand it, it was it was something that people had such a struggle with, you know, to recollect their goodness. I remember talking to Tannisarabiko about it. I said, I'm trying to teach this, and people, it's just such a struggle. Uh, uh, but I, you know, so it's something that we have to learn to do to some extent. To, I think, a fairly significant extent, it's somewhat antithetical to. Uh, uh, you know, Western culture, uh, to, to, to acknowledge our goodness, you know, and I remember Tanisarobiku saying, you know, in Thailand, people were a lot more used to acknowledging their generosity, you know, they were brought up with, uh, with that, to not acknowledge their generosity and their virtue from the time they were children, so this is something that we have to we have to practice, you know, we have to practice recollecting our goodness Uh, You know, and it's a skill and it takes time to develop, you know, and there's, you know, two steps forward, one step back oftentimes, but it's just something we have to put the effort into. So, you know, we suggest, you know, cultivating thinking that's in accord with our goodness in the meditation. We call that brightening the mind, right? We teach that in the first introductory class, brighten your mind at the beginning of meditation recollect your good qualities, recollect your generosity and your virtue and the effort that you make, uh, you know, and, you know, you, you know, at least if you do that every day when you meditate, you're doing it at least once a day, right? At least once a day, you're recollecting your goodness. Uh, can't tell me how many times I've spoken to people, you know, and said, I, I don't do that, you know. Yeah, I do some of the other stuff that you've taught, but that one I don't do. I mean, I hear that all the time, you know, the brightening of the mind, oh yeah, the brightening of the mind, you know, I I remember when you taught that, you know, This this is so important, this is so important, you know, years ago I made a vow to myself to brighten the mind, to take, even if it's just a minute, even if it's just 30 seconds, to recollect my goodness at the beginning of every meditation that I do. You know, and I made a vow to do that, you know, and I pretty much stuck to that vow. Every once in a while, I forget. Could you believe that? I I forget. You know, sometimes I'm, every once in a while, I'm like 10 minutes, oh, you forgot to brighten the mind. I'm 10 minutes into the meditation, you know. I mean, it just shows how counter to our karma it goes, right? You get caught up in, in the rivers of your past karma, and it's like, oh, brightening the mind, acknowledging my goodness, you know. My goodness, I not acknowledging my goodness so uh, so 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 you know this is my this is my message to you brighten the mind every time you meditate it's really really valuable cultivate these thoughts that are in accord with your goodness and of course my suggestion would be not to do that just during the meditation remember to brighten the mind remember your goodness Remember your goodness in all postures as you go throughout your day. Touch into that remembering. You know, you, you know, it's like you don't even have to. I was talking about this yesterday. I mean, you don't even have to take time out of your busy schedule. You can do it while you're on the train. You can do it. You know, the, you know, the teaching that the Buddha gave to the, you know, the monk maha, uh, not the monk, the householder, the householder Mahanama. So the Buddha says to Mahanama. Uh, And he's talking about recollecting his generosity. He says, uh, Mahanama, you should develop this recollection of generosity while you were walking, while you were standing, while you were sitting, while you were lying down, while you were busy at work, while you were resting in your home, crowded with children. You know, so, you know, there's Mahanama, just, you know, just like, just like all of us as householders with jobs, relationships, and, you know, apartments. And, you know, the Buddha is saying, remember your goodness, remember your goodness, learn to think this way. This, of course, is so opposite the way that we tend to think about ourselves. So cultivate thoughts during the day that are in accord with your goodness, remember your goodness. And then cultivate thoughts of loving kindness. And the way that I like to think about this in terms of you know, giving a pragmatic teaching, uh, it's good to cultivate thoughts of loving kindness as a separate meditation. You know, we're using, where you know, loving kindness is the intention that's informing our meditation. So uh, one of the two intentions. So I'm gonna meditate with loving kindness, out of loving kindness for myself because I have a wish to be happy. You know, so you're remembering your wish to be happy, and that's informing the action of the meditation. You could also do some formal med- loving-kindness meditation where you're remembering your wish to be happy. But I think when it really starts to become most profoundly effective and important is when it's integrated, right? You know, you know, we really try to see to it that our practice is integrated. We tend to think in compartmental ways. Well, for five minutes in the morning I'll do loving kindness meditation and I'll think about my wish to be happy, and then the rest of the day I'm gonna be my usual profligate self. Uh so, you know, and think about, you know, my wish to be unhappy, you know, and all the things that I'm gonna to do to make myself unhappy. So uh so really what we wanna to learn to do is as we go through the day, just as the Buddha teaches Mahanama to cultivate thoughts of loving-kindness, which is to say as we go through the day, remember that we have a wish to be happy. So remind yourself as you go through the day every now and again, if you do that a few times a day, I have a wish to be happy. I have a wish for true happiness. So you're using the head to connect to the heart. You're using the mind skillfully. So as you go through the day, you remind yourself, I have a wish to be happy. I have a wish for happiness of heart. And then we learn to cultivate thoughts of compassion. So in the same way, we could do formal compassion practice. We could remind ourselves that we're meditating out of compassion for ourselves. Uh, But what I would suggest is to develop the habit. This is developing habits of mind, mental training. This is mental training, right? Our practice is a practice of mental training. So develop the habit of reminding yourself as you go through the course of the day that you have a wish to be free from suffering. You have a wish to be free from dukkha. Remind yourself in a very simple way that there is dukkha, there is suffering, the heart is blocked, there's a burden on the heart, everybody here has burdens on the heart. You know, so we remind ourselves as we go through our course of the day, in those moments when there's an opening when that are opportune, that there are burdens on the heart and that we have a wish to be free from our burdens. So we're training ourselves to think in this way, to remember our wish to be free from the burdens on our hearts. So thinking about ourselves in terms of having thoughts of appreciation in terms of our goodness during the course of the day, thoughts of loving kindness in which we remember our wish to be happy, thoughts of compassion in which we remember the burdens that are on our heart and our wish to be free from those burdens. And then there's the thinking about others, which really follows, of course, the same template. So we learn to cultivate thoughts in which we recognize the goodness of others. We recognize the goodness of others. And this may be, again, very opposite of the way that we tend to think about others as we talked about yesterday, our, uh, our thoughts about others, our recollection of the goodness of others uh, uh, begins. And really, maybe I don't want to use that word begin because it's the highest level, uh, and the highest level is oftentimes the most difficult level. The highest level of reflection, of remembering the goodness of others, is to remember the goodness of our parents. So. Uh, You know, for many years, uh, all I could do was think about, you know, the things about my parents that weren't very good. And there were plenty to choose from, don't get me wrong. You know, Uh, for most of those many years, I was a pretty unhappy person. You know, and of course, I had to work through and still continue to this day. You know, Uh, you know, lots of therapy and lots and lots of, you know, working with these things in meditation Uh, But, uh, you know, what I've I've had to do, and of course what the Buddha teaches us, we have to learn to uh, remember uh, the blessing of our parents' goodness in that they gave us this life, they took care of us when we couldn't take care of ourselves, you know. So uh, this this is really essential, you know, this is essential. Uh, again, it's a process. It's a process, but we learned, have to learn to cultivate those thoughts uh, little by slowly over time. We learn to be able to do that. It doesn't mean we can't do the other work. People tend to think very black and white. You know, I'll do that someday when I no longer have feelings of aversion towards my parents. You, you, you may be waiting a long time, you know, if that's the way you think. You can do both. You can acknowledge that they gave you the gift of life, and that's a blessing, you know. You can acknowledge their goodness. You can learn to do that. You're my encouragement to you, because I want you to be happy. These are the things that we have to do to know happiness in this life. This is what the Buddha teaches us. You know, we have to see this for ourselves. So we learn to thought cultivate thoughts of goodness in which we recognize the goodness of our parents, our teachers. Those are the two most important categories, our parents and our teachers. We recognize uh, the goodness, the blessing of the Buddha and the noble Sangha of uh, nuns and monks. We recognize the goodness of our Kalayana Mita. You know, uh, you know. Today I can recognize the goodness of the beings who are here. Uh, yesterday, you know, the goodness of the beings who, you know, made it through a long day of practice. Uh, you know, the goodness of our. Uh, spiritual friends, our friends who may not be with us on the spiritual path, but support us, the goodness of our family, the beings who show us kindness. So we learn to cultivate thoughts in which we acknowledge, recognize, reflect on the goodness of others. We learn to cultivate thoughts of metta for others, uh, remembering that others have a wish to be happy and remembering our wish for them. We learn to cultivate thoughts of compassion for others, remembering that all beings are suffering. All beings have a burden on their heart to some extent. We remember our wish for them that they be free from the burdens on their hearts. So, sometimes I like to do that when I'm on the train, you know, and I look around, you know, and everybody here has a burden on their heart. I have a wish that each of these beings find freedom from the burdens that they're carrying around with them, not just in their backpacks. And then the third practice, and this will again all be in the notes, of course, for your, you can even make a little cheat sheet if you want and carry it around with you. You know, it's like the, the quarterbacks do, and you know, football, you can put it on the wrist, you know. Remember to have thoughts of compassion for the people and out there in the world. Uh, the third category is that I'm talking about today is, is cultivating uh, skillful thoughts about life, about this life. You know, we learn to cultivate thoughts and we, in which we recognize the preciousness of life, in which we recognize the pl- preciousness of life. So again, we can do that in our meditation when we're brightening the mind, but as we go through the day, you know, i like to think about touching and reminding ourselves reminding ourselves we remind ourselves as we go through the course of the day it's a blessing to be here in this life it's a blessing that this day of life i've been given this this day this 24 hours this moment is a gift we have to remind ourselves we remind ourselves it's an ongoing reflection It's an ongoing reflection that we want to do in our meditation, but in all postures every day as we go throughout the course of the day. You know, we find those moments to touch in and remind ourselves. It's so easy to forget, and it's so easy to go into other ways of thinking about life. You know? Uh, So we're learning to cultivate this habit of thinking. Maybe for me, it was a new habit of thinking. I had to cultivate it. I had to cultivate it. My karma, as I've, as I've documented so many for so long, and you know, in such detail, my, my karma was not to acknowledge the blessing of life, but to, to see the, you know, to have a very negative opinion of life. So we're cultivating this habit of thinking. So it requires an ongoing reflection as we go through our, our days. We're digging this track in the mind. We're making it deep and strong. Or another way to think about it is we're strengthening this voice in the mind. You know, we're cultivating this voice in the mind and we're making it strong. You know, it starts off, it's not so strong, right? That voice in the mind, it's a blessing to be here. This life is a gift, this day is a blessing. You know that at the first, that voice for many of us may not be very strong. Uh, so and you know there's other voices that are competing for our attention. Right? So uh, you know we have to be careful about those other voices. You know I mean there's other voices externally, right? That we might hear, other beings who might speak negatively about life. Do you, does anybody know anybody like that? Anybody know any cynics? You know, uh, who you know? I mean, I, I know a lot about cynicism. It's easy for me to to pick out a cynic because I was like one of the most cynical. You know, I, my my habit habit was to be incredibly cynical. You ask people that knew me. You might ask people that know me five years ago. But if you ask people that knew me when I was much younger, you know, I was known for my cynicism. I was known for my cynicism. I mean, one of my favorite little stories is, you know, being in high school, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, speaking in a class, you know, and as, as was my want, surprise, surprise, you know, and, and, and this guy, Don, I won't mention his last name, maybe he, he'll be listening on the podcast, uh, you know, standing, I think he stood up, he was, he was so exasperated after a whole semester listening to me and he said, nobody loves a cynic yeah (laughs) so you know uh, we have to be careful about who we associate with right you know this is the Buddha said the number one external factor in our our as we make our path to awakening are we associating with people who speak negatively about life cynically about life and about the world and of course we hear a lot of those negative voices in the media right there's lots of cynicism and negativity It also, you know, of course, it's very important as we're learning to develop this inner voice and change our mind that we change our external voice. So, you know, I just shared about how, you know, the way that I used to speak was often fraught with negative uh, comments about the world, about life. Uh, So, you know, we have to really watch our own propensity for that, our own propensity for speaking negatively about life, for being cynical and for being negative. That's really important because you know, you know, it's our, you know our, that basic tenet that we really try to ascribe to. you can't train the mind until you train the mouth. So, so really be careful about how you speak about life. You know? and, and you know by the same token, when you're in relationship with others, it doesn't even have to be Dharma students, you can try to start to bring in uh, commentary, uh, you can try to speak in a way in which you acknowledge the goodness in life. You, know, you be, it's surprising how easy it is to do that. You know, sometimes it's just what a you know what a beautiful day. You know, where we speak to the goodness in life, and when we're in conversation with others. And then, of course, there's our own internal voices—the voices in our mind of negativity, cynicism, aversion to life. So we have to see those voices and understand the profound drawbacks of those voices, understand the profound drawbacks of thinking in that way. And we have to cultivate this skillful voice in the mind, the the voice that is recognizing the goodness in life and the preciousness of life, the blessing of this life, this gift that we've been given, and we want to learn to make that voice predominant. We want to make that voice the voice that we hear the voice that we pay attention to. You know, this is the voice that guides us to the truth, to the truth of the goodness in ourselves and others and in the world. It's the voice that will guide us to the heart. This is the voice that we have to learn to depend on, the voice that will see us through.